0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Brave X Empower, a podcast that discusses gender inequality and bullying in STEM. I'm your host, Michaela Pellerin. Today, we have another guest speaker joining us, Marissa Morehouse. She is Miss New Hampshire Collegiate America. And I am so happy you are joining us today.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Yes, would you like to introduce
1: yourself? Sure. So, I'm Marissa, I'm a 22 year old from Southern New Hampshire. I currently go to Southern New Hampshire University studying child and adolescent psychology. I work as a full-time mental health counselor, along with um, I'm pursuing my doctorate of clinical psychology this fall. So I'll be heading off to grad school soon.
0: That's amazing. Wow. Very exciting things coming. So we're sort of doing a special episode here um, if you're familiar with BraveX and Power, you know we talk a lot about gender inequality and in STEM. But today we're going to focus more on bullying and our national pageant's anti bullying platform, Brave, and specifically Marissa's take on that. which Would you like to share more about that and how you've created your own unique platform with Brave?
1: Absolutely. It's kind of fitting because last week was National Eating Disorder Association Awareness Week, which Mm -hmm. was really cool um, because that ties in with my platform so much. Um, I am currently in recovery from an eating disorder and have been on the path to finding who I am within this world of recovery for four years now. So my senior year of high school was the last time that I sought treatment. Um, and it ended up being super beneficial. And I found some great resources where I was able to um, get better and, you know, get my head on straight and figure out what <laughs> what it meant to be a healthy and happy individual. So going back to the beginning, um, I was diagnosed with anorexia when I was 14 years old. So I was in middle school and I had no idea what that meant. It was scary. And all I thought about was, the stereotypes and the stigma surrounding that. And when I, yeah, when I went to high school, it got difficult because I never told anyone I was ashamed that I had anorexia. I didn't know what it meant. I, I felt horrible and embarrassed to have a mental illness and people made fun of me for it. Um, there were social media accounts made making fun of me, calling me the chicken leg girl and the skeleton. And they really just tormented me in my body and that didn't help me feel better about anything at all. Um, so I, you know, I took a stand towards the end of my high school career in my senior year and I sought help. I drove myself to the emergency room and knew that I needed help and wanted to find resources because I had so many goals in life that I wanted to accomplish. And I knew that wouldn't happen if I didn't receive the medical treatment that I needed. Um, And I also wanted to prove those bullies wrong, that the way my body looks has nothing to do with who I am as a person and the number on the scale does not define my worth. And so I really, really worked hard these past few years to overcome my eating disorder and to kind of branch into this new world. And now as a mental health counselor, I'm able to help so many other patients do the same thing.
0: Wow. That is such an incredible journey. I am so proud of how far you've come and you. I'd also like to say I am so sorry that happened to you all those bullies it looked like you've experienced some cyberbullying and yes you know I'm very sorry that has happened to you. You absolutely did not deserve that especially when you were going through you know this medical issue as well. So would you like to touch more on that cyberbullying since I just brought it up?
1: Yeah, so it was hard and As a teenager, what I wanted to do was delete everything. And as much as that was beneficial for me as a person, it was not beneficial to the case. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of the cyberbullying was brought to administration and to our police officer at my school that I went to. So, but I had deleted everything. I had, you know, gotten rid of everything. I didn't want to see it. And that ended up being detrimental. in the situation, but overall it helped me as a person. So it's kind of that, you know, difficult feeling of being stuck between a rock and a hard place of what do you do in that situation? Yeah. But, um, I decided to speak out about my mental illness and kind of just, you know, push off the haters and, Now, a lot of people have reached out to me to say, you know, thank you so much for speaking out. I would have never thought that my eating habits were disordered until you explained what an eating disorder was or until you explained what anxiety and depression are. So it's been really, really cool to be able to educate everyone else through a platform that I used to find myself being bullied on. Now I've changed that and created a safe space and a safe community.
0: That's incredible. Yes. You have definitely taken such a negative thing and have made it honestly an educational opportunity for others. And that's not something many people can do when they're faced with a challenge. So I absolutely applaud you for that. Thank you. So since we're at the beginning of the episode, could you explain or define in your professional words, what an eating disorder is to our
1: listeners? Absolutely. So it depends on what type of audience, um, I'm speaking with and how that kind of defines how I define an eating disorder, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense at all. There's Um, a lot of teens listening if that helps. Okay. Perfect. Yep. So I kind of refer to it as an addiction. So while I was in a time of a lot going on in my personal life, my parents were being divorced. I was moving many times. Um, Changes are happening, happening. You know, I'm sure every teenager who's been through high school understands the struggle of what it's like to be a teenager in high school. It's Mm -hmm. not the best time of your life. (laughs) Um, So all of these changes were causing a lot of anxiety and depression for me, and I didn't know how to cope with it. And I, in the feelings of being constantly anxious and sad were so overwhelming that I suppressed them with not eating and I couldn't control that I was anxious and depressed, but I could control what I was eating. I could control if I was hungry. And I really grasped onto that. For a lot of people, it's about body image. For me personally, I didn't really have those struggles. I always kind of knew like, yeah, I'm a little underweight. You know, I I was told constantly um, comments about my body and that Mm -hmm. I didn't look healthy. And I think I internalized that a little bit to the point where I kind of recognized that I needed to make some changes, but I really, really held on to the fact that I was addicted to not eating because it made me numb the pain. Um, And, you know, that's one way of explaining it. there's so many different eating disorders. Some people binge and purge, some people, you know, spit and chew, some people um, like me restrict their food intake. And then there's others who eat you know, poison, which we call pico. So there's just so many different eating disorders. And it's really just a reflection of each person as an individual.
0: Yeah, that's all a great thing to bring up. It actually reminds me of I don't know if you've seen this, but it's a Netflix TV show called Insatiable.
1: Mm, I haven't.
0: It's a really good um, show. And it's actually about this overweight girl Mm. who she ends oh up, yes,
1: um, I have seen it. Yes, yes. Pageant <laughs> girl. Yes. Yes,
0: and she was bullied about her weight, mm-hmm. and so she would restrict her fruit food and make herself sick. And then when she finally got to be thin, she started doing pageants, and she started winning and things like that. Um, but she came from a different perspective than you did, where she started out overweight, and the bullies caused her to do that. Right. Um, some research earlier before this just to prepare to speak to you today and it said as many as 65 percent of people with eating disorders say that bullying contributed to their condition
1: right and and you know what's so difficult and I know teenagers are experiencing it right now when it kind of started back when I was in high school you know I'm not that much older than you but social media became a thing when I was in middle school and high school um, is that we went home with the bullying because we had it on social media. And, you know, I wasn't just getting picked on at school in the hallways. I would go home and I would have mean messages on my iPod or on my iPad or whatever it was. Um, And I think that has really driven a lot of people to just have low self-esteem along with, you know, everything in the media about what a perfect body should look like or what, you know, eating should look like and all of these horrible and horrific stereotypes and stigmas that unfortunately lead to a lot of problems with teenage girls and boys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So since you brought up the media, can you talk about what would you like to see Be different about what businesses and brands are putting out there as you know their cover girls
1: no absolutely and I've actually worked as a professional model in the industry and yes I've been told many things about my body and for me I'm at a point in my life where I'm able to brush it off my shoulders unfortunately not everyone is and I totally Mm -hmm. get it it's hard it's really difficult um I think a lot of different brands take Victoria's Secret, for example. They've yes. been um, utilizing many different body shapes, sizes, um, women of all colors and races and backgrounds to represent their clothing. Aerie also does the same thing. Yes. Um, and something so simple as you know underwear or apparel leggings. If you can see it on someone that looks similar to you, you're more likely to buy it. Absolutely. Um, so in a, in a way it's like, yes, we're spreading bo- body positivity, but so these companies should have been doing this all along because it's promoting their products to an even larger community. Yeah. Um, so I also don't agree with all of the dieting advertisements that we see on Instagram and Facebook and There's just no need. Why do you need to tell a 12 year old what they should be eating? They're 12. Let them Mm. do what they want and go play outside and then have whatever snack they want because they're 12. They don't need to be worrying about, you know, unless they're diabetic or have a specific medical condition. But why, why are we giving their, like these advertisements to them? It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I was
0: actually watching a TikTok the other day and it just popped up on my for you page and mm-hmm. it was talking about how all these trendy diets like the keto diet were actually designed for medical conditions like stomach right. problems or other things like in the body that Absolutely. yeah they're not even you know supposed to be about weight loss or getting stronger or whatever. People are using it now for. And it was crazy because they listed a bunch like the keto diet and other mm-hmm. trendy names that I've definitely heard even my friends doing. Right. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is actually not for what they're using it for. And I thought that was really interesting because that had never crossed my mind until just a few days ago when I learned that. So to hear you bring it up again is is really interesting.
1: Yeah. And you know, I addressed this during Need a week last week, you know, I'm, I have celiac. I have to eat gluten-free. If I didn't have to, I wouldn't, um, gluten-free bread for all of my gluten-free friends out there. It's not the best. Yeah. Our life, you know, <laughs> sucks at times. Like it's not, it's not the best, but <laughs> a lot of people will come up to me and be like, Oh my gosh, are you, you're so healthy. You're eating gluten-free. And for me, it's like, I'm really just replacing things made with wheat with other options that are made with rice, you know, it's, there's a stigma around these special diets, but like you said, a lot of them are, you know, specialized and created for people with medical conditions. You go on a liquid diet when you get your wisdom teeth out for a few days, not to lose weight. There's, there's just certain people have taken these diets, like the drink two gallons of water and have a banana, like that's going to make you sick. That's also kind of gross. Um, Why would you want to do that? And people have taken them and unfortunately created disordered eating habits with them.
0: Yeah. I've also read um, some great books over the years of people experiencing eating disorders and how that's carried through with them even after they've gone through recovery or how it's been something that's reoccurred. You know, it's not just a one quick fix. It's something you talked about how it's connected to mental health and so I mm-hmm. think it's that's why it's can be continued over for many many years and is something that's not just a challenge you overcome but
1: something that sticks with you for a while no for sure yeah I um and I'm sure a lot of other people with mental illness it's Some days I wake up and I don't think about it, but more often than not, I have to think about it because it's a part of me. It's a part of who I am. And I've accepted that, you know, at first I was ashamed, but now it's it's built resiliency in me and it's allowed for me to become the strong and independent woman that I am. And I wouldn't change a thing. You know, recovery was not a straight path for me. It was years and years of inpatient and outpatient and therapy and partial hospitalization and, you know, IVs and anything you can imagine. You know, it was hard, but mm-hmm. where I am today, that crazy, windy roller coaster recovery road has led me here. And, you know, I'm able to empathize with a lot of my patients, and that's really important to me within my work.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I love how, you know, your whole journey has just come so full circle and you're already just doing so much with your online platform and, you know, it's very, very inspiring. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. So do you think even in 2022, although brands have adapted to being more inclusive with body types, do you feel like, there's still an ideal body that's being projected. Do you think there's more growth to be made?
1: I think there's always room for growth. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get there. I sure hope that we do, but um, it's difficult. And, you know, I talked about my career as a model as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I've had experiences where different agencies have made comments about my body or or asked me, you know, are you planning to lose weight? Are you, are you naturally like this? Um, And for me, I'm like, I'm 22. What do you mean? Am I naturally (laughs) like this? Like, yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm just a young adult who goes to college, you know? Um, And we see it a lot. You know, when I was, uh, I was in Paris this past summer at a modeling showcase and everyone looked the same. And I kind of had a moment of realization that I don't really know if this is what I want to do because I can't stand out. You know, I look like everyone else. And while I love, absolutely love acting and modeling, it's a passion that I've had for a while. Um, I, I'm not willing to fit myself into a mold um, that I don't already fit into. So I won't do it. I love how you
0: stick to your ground. You know, modeling is a very serious career path that you have to be pretty dedicated in to do well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that can cause a lot of people to go on diets, like we were saying, or cause people to change things about themselves because of a client or an agency or Mm -hmm. anything like that. And so, you know, it's really inspiring to have a model like you, who's been very experienced to be coming on and just saying all that you've said. So I love to hear that.
1: Thank you. That means a lot. I appreciate it. That's
0: great advice. And I think any maybe future models or current models who are listening can take that message with them, you know,
1: for sure. Also, The
0: fact that you don't have to do anything that you're uncomfortable with is also kind of fitting for this situation mm-hmm. you know if an agency asks you to do swimsuit modeling and you don't want to because maybe you're really young then absolutely you don't have to right and it's not going to ruin your entire career that's just one job that you know you might miss out on and that's okay because sure. there will be better things
1: there sure will be There are absolutely. always absolutely
0: <laughs> yes So in addition to using social media as a platform for eating disorders and brave, what else have you been doing, you know, offline?
1: Right. So I mentioned that I work as a mental health counselor. Um, I've been able to partner with, I work for the mental health center of greater Manchester and I work in an inpatient psychiatric unit with adults who have severe and persistent mental illness. Um, And prior to me working there, they didn't really have a lot of resources for eating disorder treatment. Um, The state of New Hampshire has three facilities and none of them provide inpatient care. So I've been able to provide um, a list of therapists and nutritionists and um, partial hospitalization programs, along with intensive outpatient programs for our patients at Cypress who may be seeking some assistance in eating disorder recovery. So that's been a, that's been really big for me. Um, because especially we don't, I live in Manchester, I live in the queen city and there's nothing here. We don't have, um, a facility that specializes in eating disorder recovery. There's one in Concord one in Salem, I believe, and one in Bedford. So if you don't live in Southern New Hampshire, you're likely not able to find services. So I've really been advocating um, within the agency that I work at to promote the services that we do have, along with the expansion of part, you know, potentially one day opening up an inpatient unit for eating disorder patients.
0: That's amazing. And it's something that's really important to have, especially in a place, you know, with that many people as well. Mm-hmm because honestly, I think anywhere you go, you're going to have people, especially teenage girls or young women who Mm -hmm. are going through the same things as you have, just because of all the reasons we were talking about earlier. And so I think it's very relevant and it's great that you're doing the work that you're doing so we can get these people the help that they need.
1: Yes, I I love it. And Sometimes it doesn't even feel like I'm working. I just feel like I'm, you know, doing what I love and it's, it's been great. I, I love working in the mental health field and I'm so excited for my future within the field, you know, heading to grad school is scary and all, but I'm super excited to see where it takes me.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. What's been one of your favorite classes so far in college?
1: Oof. I've had quite a few. It's also been difficult (laughs) because my, pretty much my whole college career has been on Zoom. So um, right now I'm in a, yeah, right now I'm in a counseling techniques class and we kind of do like practice therapy and it's been so beneficial and so fun. I have a great professor. He um, has a PsyD, so a clinical doctorate of psychology, which is the same degree that I will be obtaining. So it's been great to learn from him. Um, and also practice, like giving my friends therapy in the classroom. Sometimes it's funny and I can't help but laugh, but um, it's been really beneficial and I've been able to apply it to my normal work life.
0: That's incredible. That sounds like a very great opportunity, both, you know, for fun, but also for your work experience.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I love it.
0: So just to switch gears a little if you had a friend who was going through, you know, some similar, or let's phrase it this way, who had signs of an eating disorder, what would you do to even approach it? Because, you know, just throwing that word out there is something that not a lot of people, you know, throwing the word eating disorder out there. A lot of people will think it's just one thing like anorexia or, you know, or only for skinny people or Mm. things like that. So I'd like what would you do if you saw someone with signs?
1: Right. So I was in those shoes, you know, 10 years ago, I was like, "What? I don't fit this stereotype. I don't body check in the mirror. Mm -hmm. I don't weigh myself constantly because these, this is what we see in the media of like Mm -hmm. what we think an eating disorder is. But in reality, Mm -hmm. when I was at eating disorder treatment, every single person there, none of us were alike. We all came from different backgrounds. We all had different body shapes and sizes. Some of us were tall. Some of us were short. Men and women, kids and adults. It really impacts everyone. Um, I, re- mm-hmm. I recommend um, viewers to watch the movie To the Bone. Um, it was on Netflix. I'm not sure if it still is, but they provide a wide range of um, like actors and characters within the movie. And it, it portrays you know, an eating disorder facility pretty well when it comes to what kind of people you see there because everyone's so different. Um, and for me, when I see people with the signs of an eating disorder, you know, it's important for me to separate myself from being a mental health counselor and being a friend because I can't all, I can't counsel, you know, everyone, I can't fix everyone. So I always just let them know that, I've been where they are, and I have resources, and it's my job to be a shoulder and a hand to hold. And, you know, I'm here to wipe your tears and to help you along the way. Um, But I'm not going to treat you because we're friends. and that's, that's been really beneficial for me because sometimes if my friend thinks I'm, you know, playing the clinician role of diagnosing and treating it, it can ruin a friendship, you know? Yeah. Yes. You need those people in your life when it comes to recovery, but you also need peer support you need social supports and through friendship is a great way to do that. So I try to separate myself from being a counselor and just solely being a friend and being supportive. And if they want resources, I provide them. But my, my number one job is to be a friend
0: I think that's the perfect answer and you know what you touched on is not you like we were talking about earlier not throwing these harsh accusations on them of like you have this or even diagnosing them just because you you know noticed they didn't have lunch for a week or, Mm or you know there's there's always background information that should be uncovered especially by professionals um You know, I'll share a little story. Um, When I was a freshman, I was just like walking in the hallway, and an upperclassman came up to me, and he was like, "Oh my God, you look like you're anorexic." And I was like, "I was like, what?" I hadn't ever met this person. I've never had an eating disorder. I'm just tall, and I've always been thin. Just my my family looks like that. Honestly, if you if you've ever met my brother or my dad, and you know just throwing these words around like that is is crazy to me and people do it pretty loosely you know this happened to me just in 2020
1: right
0: um and it's something that we shouldn't be doing
1: absolutely um it's hard like i said people would be like what's up chicken legs as i'm walking yeah. down the hall and i'm like 13 years old just like mm-hmm. sad and i remember i some guy yelled it, and I was in eighth grade, and I was walking from my locker to algebra. I remember it so clearly. <laughs> and someone yelled, like, hey, chicken legs, or something, and my friends laughed. Yeah. And that's when I realized I was like, huh, these people probably aren't my friends, yeah. you know, because it hurt me so much. And I was like, trying so hard not to cry and holding yeah. my tears back. But my friends laughed, and they were like, that's kind of funny. You kind of do have chicken legs. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'm yeah. going to go do my math homework now, um, <laughs> but it's difficult. And I don't think people understand that any comment about someone's body shouldn't be made. You know, sometimes yeah. we think we're complimenting people by saying, Oh, you look skinny to me. That's an insult.
0: Yeah, no, me, I think it the same way. Feelings.
1: Yeah. That's offensive to me. Why are you making comments about my body? What does it have to do with your life? What are you What are you getting from making a comment about my body? How is that improving the world? How is that adding to society? It's not. So why do we do it?
0: And the thing is, you know, you wouldn't say to someone, you're fat. So right. why are you saying you're skinny? Like people would, right. you know, I used to have really long hair. It went past my hips. And people would say, wow, you have long hair. And it's like, well, that's just a statement. And the same thing applies here. It's like, well, that's mm-hmm. just, that's a statement, you know? Right. And it's not to be sensitive. It's just people have a background and they have stories like with all these bullying experiences. And, you know, it's just about not triggering memories and things for other people, especially, you know, making comments like that really loosely can trigger old habits for some people.
1: Right. And I encourage everyone to just, not make comments about people's body. There's no reason to. My friends will be like, how do I look in these pants? I'm like, you look happy. Yeah. You look really smart yeah. because that's what should matter. Our happiness, you know, our intelligence, these things, yes. I'm not going to be your legs, your legs look, yeah, why would I do that? I don't know. Yeah. Because to me, I I don't see my body being a part of what's making me, me, it's my personality. It's what I have to offer the world. So that's a little change that I've made in my life. And I encourage everyone to do, you know, why do we have to say like, Oh, you look so good that, you know, your body looks so nice. Why can't we look happy? You know, Yeah. it's, it's just a small, simple change that I've made and I've seen it some people are like, what do you mean? These pants make me look happy. That's kind of weird. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I just think you look really happy in them. <laughs> oh, that's
0: amazing. I'm definitely going to make sure that I apply that in my life because that is a question that, you know, as a teenage girl, your friends will absolutely be asking you at mm-hmm. one point or another. And what a simple, easy fix to just apply into everyday life as well.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Like when girls are prom dress shopping, you know, they go with their friends and it's like, yeah. oh, you look like you're glowing. Like, you look yeah. really excited to be wearing that dress. To me, that means so much more than a comment about my body.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because it's more about, you know, the experience in the clothes. You know, mm-hmm. clothes, you know, aren't made to fit you. You're just made to find what fits you. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. So, I love. You know, touching on that as well. Being tall, it's been really hard to find jeans actually for yep. an affordable price. I'm sure you know lots. We're the same height. So, yes. <laughs> yes, oh so we know about that. Um, and when I did find some, American Eagle, um, they had like extra tall, they were online like, only over a <laughs> hundred dollars. Yep. And the waist didn't fit that well because they were like shaking mm-hmm. material and you know, that's just so expensive, especially when I need like five different shades of blue.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a pain. I know I'm sitting here like looking down at my <laughs> pants that are supposed to be pants, but everything's just like a capri.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Everything's a capri. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm like, I don't even, at this point, I don't bother. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, in the winter, it's it snowed a lot last night here in Maine. We
1: just got like an inch. It wasn't too bad.
0: Yeah, we got a lot. I was surprised I had school today, but mm. I guess they were able to clear it up during the nighttime. Um, but I like to wear sneakers a lot. And like I go to the gym and I <laughs> wear sneakers and my leggings go right under like my calf. And I just step in the snow and it's like, oh, my gosh, my whole nope. leg is just buried. It's something yes, funny about that. that. A lot of people don't realize.
1: Yeah, it's you know, a struggle.
0: Their struggles, tall, short, whatever you are, you know, right. you always think the other side will be better, but oh yeah, once you have it, you'll realize that you know it's never perfect anywhere.
1: <laughs> oh yes, oh yes,
0: yeah. That can actually be connected to what we're talking about with like ideal models on covers. It's mm-hmm. like, well,
1: they all have their
0: struggles too, you know. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. There's been, um, a few models that I've followed over the years and a lot of them have spoken out about, you know, scoliosis or certain allergies. I was in Miami for Miami fashion week a couple years ago, and there was a model there who was like allergic to so many things, gluten-free, dairy-free, and it, and it wasn't a choice. She had all of these intolerances and I just like felt so bad because, I mean, that's a lot to worry about when it comes to food. Um, and she she had said that people pick on her all the time for being thin and, you know, it, it stinks, but everyone, like you said, has their own struggle. Everyone has a story.
0: Yeah, we really do. And that's important to realize especially if you're going to make a comment because there's always going to be bullies out there. But, you know, just please don't comment on people's appearance. Just right. Just ever, even if you're think you're being nice, like, you know, that's just such a touchy subject for pretty much everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone can relate to having heard a negative comment directed at them about their body, about something they've been insecure about. And so if that kind of brings it into perspective for you, then, you know, let that help you realize how harmful it can be with people who actually do have medical conditions with eating disorders Mm. or even other issues like scoliosis. So,
1: right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Let that
0: be a lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So Last week, I was at a family gathering, and um, someone I know, I was talking to their mom, and she has a daughter who is um, in 11th grade in high school, so she's my age, and her mom said she got a call from the school nurse, and the nurse said, you know, is your daughter anorexic? I don't see her eating at school. Like what's going on here? And her mom's like, oh, she eats, she eats fine. And so she talked to her daughter and her daughter said, well, I go into the bathroom after lunchtime because my friends were picking on, you know, how much I ate and what I ate and about her body. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she, she's a normal girl. Like, right. She's in like, to, when I look at her, I just see a normal teenage girl like she mm-hmm. she wasn't insanely tiny she wasn't big at all she was just a teenage girl and that just broke my heart to hear that and her mm-hmm. mom was like I don't even know what to do she's been doing this for months just hiding you know going out during her study hall and hiding in the bathroom and I couldn't believe it you know that's happening in 2022 to someone my age in, you know another part Of the united states and i just was baffled to hear that
1: right and i think that's where education just becomes so important we're sending our kids to school for eight hours a day five days a week so why are we not educating our teachers our our administrators all school staff on what all mental illness looks like i think throughout the years we've done a better job i myself i work within a middle school in the guidance department and, you know, we make, we try to make sure that every teacher knows the signs of anxiety and depression, because unfortunately we've lost too many people. Yeah. Um, but let's add eating disorders to that as well. Yeah, you it know, it
0: all connects.
1: It really does. Yeah. It really does.
0: Yeah. And just to connect back with my story, it wasn't even that this girl was restricting or anything like that she was still eating just like an hour after you know the mm. assigned lunch time but the fact that she felt like she had to do it in private because others were bullying her you know that's a problem in and of itself right. even though it's not a medical condition it's still something that's mentally impacting her mm. where it's it's the bullies it's the people who she thinks are friends giving her advice that's completely unsolicited
1: Right. No, exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought that was something important to bring up. So you talked about what you'd like to see in schools with education, but what else would you like to see being done? Are there any, you know, do you have any actual active ideas besides just rules, you know, to really put these
1: rules into action? Yeah. So I am a big, fan of, um, not weighing people, yep. um, unless it's medically necessary. Yep. Every time you go to a doctor's office, they're like, all right, hop on the scale. Yeah. And if we need to do that, why, why, you know, yep. why are we having a 13 year old girl get on the scale to get her, her flu shot? Like, yep. uh, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, can we cover the scale? Can we, have them step on it and they can't see the number because that's what's becoming an obsession is the number that we see on the scale. So I really advocate for people to, you know, I, when I go to the doctor, I say, ah, I don't need to be weighed unless it's medically necessary or, and if they do weigh me, I step on backwards so that I don't see the number because I don't care what the number is. And if I do see what the number is, I'm scared that I'll, you know, obsess over it. So yeah. there are these like little, cards that people can hand to their medical providers that say like, please do not weigh me or don't ask about my weight. Don't put my weight on my, um, like print up of the assessment we had. And Mm so I'm a big fan of those cards. You know, I believe they should be in every doctor's office, especially a pediatrician's offices when, you know, we can catch that so early with these young teenagers, but I just, I don't understand why weight is, So, I don't know, stepping on a scale just seems to be so normalized within the medical field. And unless it's actually necessary, I don't see the need for it.
0: You know, as an aspiring pediatrician, this is really great to be hearing, especially from you who's been through so, so, so much, you know, and this is definitely a conversation I'll be carrying with me throughout my future. And I would love to hopefully help, you know, change that once in many many years if I'm in that position so
1: awesome no that's great to hear we need we need more people like that
0: (laughs) yes absolutely I think we can always be implementing changes for the better and helping to better include everyone and make things feel like a safe environment because everyone has different needs and taking that into account to make people feel just comfortable is most important right Yes. So before we have you go, would you like to share a last piece of advice or any final comments? Ooh,
1: this is always the hardest question. Yes. Because I never know what to say.
0: <laughs> um. Hmm. We have plenty of time. So if it turns into a spiel, that is okay. I just like to offer this out at the end of every episode.
1: I just, I want viewers, um, who are listening to just realize that you don't really know what's going on in someone's life. So why make assumptions? Yeah. Um, yesterday was national, um, suicide ideation and like cutting and what's the self-injury day, self-injury day. Yes. Um, and a lot of times when people are experiencing, these mental illnesses, they hide them. Mm-hmm. And you always hear of these stories where someone took their life and everyone said, I never expected it. I never saw it yep. coming. And it's because with mental illness, we become little detectives and we try hiding everything. And so we don't want other people to know that we're struggling. So just be kind to one another and have an open mind and an open heart. I like to treat everyone like the way I would want to be treated, especially yeah. when it comes to my patients. I think if this patient was my dad or my aunt or my sister, I would want them to receive the utmost best care. So that's mm-hmm. how I work as a counselor. Absolutely. And also, you know, life has full circle moments and you never know who's going to be taking care of you one day. So for me as a counselor, and I'm sure for you as a future pediatrician, Mm -hmm. I, I never know if my patient's daughter or son or nephew is going to be taking care of me one day when I'm in a nursing home, you never know, you never (laughs) know, Absolutely, life operates in weird, wacky ways. So it's just important to be super nice and kind to everyone and, you know, set healthy boundaries, but do your best to work with people and just be nice. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. There's no reason to make comments about someone's body. There's no reason to talk about someone's eating there. It's just, there's no need for it. It doesn't impact the world at all. Um, your negative comments, in fact, would be so much better if they just stayed inside your mouth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If I'm going to be quite frank. So I would say those are my little words of wisdom, (laughs) I guess.
0: Absolutely. And that's a great take-home message for everyone listening. I think that sums up everything we talked about in a fabulous way, so thank you so, so much for coming on and recording an episode with us.
1: Yes, it was awesome. I loved it.
0: (laughs) I think this is a really, I might feature this as a special episode just because, (laughs) you know, you're so experienced. You're just our expert speaker, and we covered so much great content that I think stems off into a lot of great things with Brave and whatnot so we'll see about that but thank you so much for sharing your wisdom I really appreciate you taking your time to speak on here
1: I had a great time (laughs) I loved it
0: (laughs) me as well
1: you're a great host
0: (laughs) oh thank you I'll let you plug your instagrams if you want before oh
1: yes yes so I'm on instagram at miss new hampshire collegiate all spelled out yep um, no abbreviations in like state or anything. So yep. at Miss New Hampshire Collegiate. And then on Facebook, I'm Miss New Hampshire Collegiate. So, Perfect. you know, I try to keep it simple, keep it basic.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Be sure to check out her content. She shares lots of great resources. If, you know, any of this sounds familiar to you, you know, and you need to get help, absolutely do that. I'm sure her DMs are always open as well.
1: Yes, they are.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. But thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast, brave X and power. You can check us out on Instagram at brave X and power. And I hope you'll tune in on the future. We are on Spotify, Apple podcasts and Google podcasts. So be sure to listen on whichever is your favorite. Thank you.